This is the weekend edition of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Sean, our, our weekend show is obviously a little bit different to the weekday show for a number of reasons. The main one being that, that here we're nominating the biggest story of the week, uh, the most remarkable story, the sleeper story, so one that's maybe not getting the attention that we deserve. <laughs> Freudian slip there. <laughs> I think I meant to say not getting the attention that we think it deserves, but anyway. And our favourite story as well, Sean, and of course it is a competitive environment. We are very competitive individuals and so we need an adjudicator and that adjudicator is our fear and greed colleague, Adam Lang. Adam, good morning. Good morning, Michael. Now, can I just kick things off a mark of respect for a man who died this week, Michael, and I know he's close to your heart because when we're talking about really old people you wanted to have dinner with, this man came up. Yes, the departure of Bert Bacharach, who is, uh, well, it was because of our, our fear and greed list of people over the age of 90 that we thought would be fascinating to have dinner with. And on that list was uh, Warren Buffett and yep. uh, Murdoch and Charlie Munger and Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin, yeah. And then I was going to add Bert to that list and I forgot to add him and now it's too late to add him. <laughs> Let's get on with the show, shall we? <laughs> we shall. My favourite uh, quote was apparently from him that uh, one of the secrets to his success was that you should never be afraid of a song that you can whistle. I'm like, that is great because all of his songs were very kind of whistleable and I'm a, a, a huge uh, fan of whistling. You are a whistler yourself, Michael. Yes, lips of an angel, it has been said. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Shall we get into the business news, Sean? The biggest story yep. of the week, what was it for you? Well, we know the biggest story is the hike in interest rates, let's face it, and given I go first each week, it's almost unfair that I get this one. It's not going to stop you, though, is it? No, no, absolutely. I'm going to take it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so the Reserve Bank up the cash rate by 25 basis points, the ninth successive increase, and... What was really surprising, it made it very, very clear that there were more interest rate hikes in the offing. The official cash rate is now 3.35%. Less than a year ago, it was 0.1% with little prospect of rising. That means standard variable lending rates on home loans have gone from 2 or 3% to something like 6%. Another way of thinking about it, someone paying off a 25-year loan worth $750,000 is now paying about $1,360 more each month than they were 12 months ago. Pretty incredible. Now, the big lenders were very quick to pass on the higher home lending rates, but they weren't so fast when it came to deposit rates. Late in the week, the Court of Public Opinion forced some of them to lift rates on savings accounts, which of course are disproportionately held by pensioners. Why does it matter? Well, the shift moved equity markets, it moved bond markets, it moved the Aussie dollar, it moved people's prognosis about the Australian economy, whether we're going into recession or not, et cetera, et cetera. Clearly, the Reserve Bank thinks inflation is the worst of all economic evils, worse than a recession. And so too do other central banks. This week, at least four US Fed officials came out, making it very clear that rates are still rising. One of those four was Jerome Powell, the chair. Massive story. Michael. Yes, it is. I I, <laughs> I, I can I find it very hard to argue against that, but I will anyway, <laughs> just because I, I need to um, put something forward. Because I actually think there is a bigger story and it is, it is a, a global story. And it is basically everything that's happened in the last week in politics here, the United States, everywhere around the world. This is how much I'm needing to combine into one story to try and beat yours. 
So uh, the US is really kind of where it's all been happening. It's been a big week in politics for the US. President Joe Biden delivered his State of the Union address, which is always fantastic theatre, isn't it? Especially if you're kind of into US politics. You've got the standing ovations, you've got the booing, you've got all of that, the flowery kind of language. It's great. He wants to increase taxes on corporates and the wealthy and admitted that, that climate change is an existential threat, but the US is still going to need to rely on oil and gas for some time. But the big feature for me uh, from the, the State of the Union address was his crack at China, where he said that if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country. Now, this, of course, out of context would be like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. But in the context of what's happened, it's it, it kind of elevates it a little bit because this comes after the US kind of shot down or, or more accurately popped uh, a Chinese spy balloon that had been cruising over the US, ratcheting up tensions. Do you like that word, ratcheting? Uh, after it looked like things might be improving between the US and China, just on the method of popping that balloon. There's, there's something vaguely uncomfortable about this story. You know, Joe Biden's crack at China popping the balloon. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Go on. The, I love the fact that um, <laughs> that they used, uh, and you made the point through the week, that they used kind of, they sent up a fighter jet and they used a missile. It was a Sidewinder missile that they used. That missile is worth $400,000 US just for that one missile. Uh. They could have popped it with a pin. Like they could have yeah. just popped it. Like if that balloon had landed on the grass, if I've learned anything from kind of uh, Bluey or from just playing outside with the kids, if a balloon lands on the grass, it's going to pop. So they should have just encouraged it to land somewhere <laughs> kind of slightly spiky. Mm. Anyway, back home as well, obviously a big week in the US, back home as well, Parliament was back sitting for the first time this year and there was a lot going on and it's really kind of an agenda-setting week, shall we say, because we had a lot of talk about the voice referendum discussion kicking off on a bunch of really important nation-defining issues. Oh, I like it. Yeah, defence, you've got the health system, you've got industrial relations, very, very big one and obviously a very important one for business as well and the economy, of course. New session of parliament, think of all the possibilities ahead the potential for, I don't know, just picking one at random, um, tax reform, Adam. You never know what could come up. And really, this week is the week where it all kicked off. Big week in politics, in Australia, in the United States. I don't know how it can be beaten. <laughs> it's got the theatre of a State of the Union address, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> that's, it does. <laughs> it does. So it comes down to economic impact. So how many people are really affected by this. Are you taking this whole thing seriously? I am. The timeliness right. of the story, of course I am. <laughs> and storytelling, which is very good, Michael, and pure subjective bias. So on economic impact, as in what is happening, I have to say the hike in the interest rates for the ninth time to 3.35% and the disposition to go higher wins the biggest story of the week. What about the other categories? <laughs> <laughs> it, felt, it felt like you listed all the other categories because you were going to use them and then you only use one. <laughs> well, subjective bias, I think, is one that really matters most of all. <laughs> Michael did mention tax reform. Could have gone that way. Yeah, I mean, it was a closed run thing. Mm. And then you mentioned tax reform and you thought, hmm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, well, I think that um, – that does make a lot of sense. I would have been surprised if it had gone the other way. Actually, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had gone the other way. Sometimes these things just happen. Most remarkable story. Let's move on. I'll go first on this one, Sean, if that's all right. Sure. So the most remarkable uh, for me this week was a, a big, big corporate story 
the $24 billion bid for Australia's largest gold miner, Newcrest Mining. We love, obviously, a good takeover story, and this one features gold. So it, it, it I don't know, it should just win based on that alone. It's gold, because, isn't it? It's yeah, gold. It's gold. I mean, it, it's, 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 yes, it's the best. As you can see, I've got a very thin justification for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gold, comma, it's the best. Uh, the bidder for, for Newcrest is US giant Newmont. And uh, I love the history between the two companies because Newcrest was originally part of Newmont. But in 1966, as you taught me this week, Sean, Newmont listed its Australian assets on the ASX. So if it goes ahead, it's basically just restoring things to the way they were 57 years ago. It's kind of got a nice circularity to it. And two other things that make this remarkable for me. One is the timing with Newcrest without a CEO at the moment, a very opportunistic bid perhaps. And the second thing is the scale because if successful, Newmont would own four of Australia's five biggest mines and have a huge lead over the number two miner, Canadian Barrick Gold. It's a big bid, $24 billion, but a long way to go. Everything about this story is remarkable. And it's about gold and gold is the best. Sean. Yeah, no, 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 I'm with you. I mean, it's a remarkable story, a takeover of a gold company, and they've only been happening since 1966. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and interest rate rises have been happening every month for the last <laughs> nine months, and you still won that category. Sometimes they cut over the last decade, sometimes. Anyway, <sighs> in terms of remarkability, is that a word? You should be disqualified just for that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, what was remarkable this week are the figures that came out showing that the Tesla Model 3 is now the third highest selling vehicle in the country. That's never happened before. I mean, an EV has never been that high on the list. Remember, Tesla cut its prices by about two and a half or between two and a half and four percent in early January. Now that's in line with its decision to cut prices globally to try and boost sales. And so it's taken the number three spot. That is actually remarkable. The revolution, it's not coming. It's arrived. This week, the revolution arrived. I don't want to oversell it or anything, but the revolution arrived. So those, the number one and two cars, Ford Ranger, Toyota Hilux, phew, only a matter of time before the EVs take over those two, I'd say. I tell you what, Mazda CX-3, which came in fourth, we're going to see a Mazda CX-3 EV at some point, surely. The revolution's here. Now, it's interesting. I mean, across the market, it was the best month for vehicle sales in five years, which I suppose is a little bit remarkable. That's on the back of relief in global supply chains, meaning people can actually buy a car and get it delivered quickly. Not all cars are available. I think we mentioned during the week the Toyota RAV hybrids, there's still a waiting time of at least 12 months for many people on that particular car. But just the fact that we now have an electric vehicle, the Tesla Model 3, as the third highest selling vehicle in the country, and that's really without great infrastructure, i.e. charging stations, etc. I think that is remarkable. Adam. They are both remarkable stories. They're excellent, actually. I'm going to give this one to Michael. Because of the economic impact of this deal, and Sean, as you pointed out during the week, just the story behind Newcrest and Newmont, I think it's it is indeed remarkable. Uh, on the cars, that too is remarkable, Tesla Model 3. I'm with you. I, I wonder how long this is going to last for Tesla. There's many more coming. Adam, it is what, one all? We are now one all. Mm. Do you want to give us a hint as to what the scores are at the moment? Kind of just no, how close no, it is? No, no, no. You are like a child, Michael. 
You know, there's a lolly on the table and you want it immediately. But no, you've got to have dinner first. And that's what we're going to do today. Marshmallow test. Delayed mm-hmm. gratification, Michael. Fine. Okay. I will wait. We will. You know, I, I must tell you, I had this friend and, you know, the kids are in their car and you're driving long trips. Mm. And what his wife decided to do, she'd actually put a lolly jar on the dashboard. And every time the kids, and this is in long trips, like Orange to Sydney specifically, every time a child got upset or got cranky, she'd literally take a lolly and throw it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the kids got the lollies at the end of the trip, but only what was left. A bunch of possums hanging that- up by the side of the road. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Oh, that is a great idea. I'm going to implement. Uh, you know what, Adam? You should give most remarkable story to Sean just <laughs> just for that. The little anecdote of the week. Oh, that is great. All right. Well, we're heading into halftime. It is one all. We'll come back in a moment and find the sleeper story of the week. All right, Sean, we're looking for a sleeper story of the week. So this is one that we think is not getting the attention that it deserves or that we have cleverly identified as something that could become a bigger issue further down the track. What was it for you? Well, mine was federal parliament. A fair bit going on, obviously, as you mentioned in the biggest story of the week, but there was an undercurrent this week which didn't get a lot of news which could be incredibly influential in the future. So Lydia Thorpe resigned from the Greens over the party's position on the voice referendum. Slightly ironic that she doesn't know whether she'll vote yes or no for the voice, but just parking that. She's now on the crossbenches and along with David Pocock and Jackie Lambie, critical to the government being able to pass legislation. And then the government lost a Senate vote on superannuation disclosure reforms wasn't so much the issue that was interesting here. It was the fact that it was the first time the minor parties, the Coalition and Greens and the crossbenchers joined together to vote against the government on legislation. Albo and his government have had a golden run so far, but this week they had legislation voted down in the Senate. They've suddenly got someone else, Lydia Thorpe, that they've got to negotiate with. Things are going to get a lot, lot tougher for the government as Parliament continues throughout the year because we've now seen that the crossbenchers and the minor parties can actually vote together. No one's talking about it, but a big, big issue for the year. My sleeper story, Michael. That's a good sleeper story. I, it, it, it wasn't It wasn't looking good when you were talking about Lydia Thorpe resigning from the Greens because that got a fair bit of coverage, but you really kind of you brought it home. Thank you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, look, I'm going to nominate a, a, a story that – Probably needs a little bit of uh, explaining as to why it's See, a sleeper it's, story. It's never good, that is it? <laughs> no, and I don't think there's been a week where I have started the sleeper story with confidence because I I always go into it going, oh, I don't know if this actually fits. This week is exactly the same because I'm nominating AGL Energy's comments this week about power prices rising and the fact that those power bills are going to keep climbing in a big way. Now, this, I, I acknowledge that this feels like it's anything but a sleeper story because it's all we've talked about for the last year. But the fact is that the government intervened late last year in order to keep prices lower. So a lot of people, many, many people may well have assumed that we'd be getting some relief and they are wrong, it seems. AGL revealed this week that household electricity customers should expect, quote, significant increases 
in electricity tariffs in the middle of this year. And that's because the longer term average cost of sourcing power is still going up. So despite the government's intervention, households are still in for a whole lot of pain, which I think is actually a genius sleeper story because it is not what we were led to believe. I tell you what, you started slow, but you brought it home. To get the word genius or the phrase genius sleeper story in, in that last sentence, very, very good. I think it's absolute BS, but really good work. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, Adam, help us out. Yes, uh, Sean wins this one by a margin, actually. <laughs> Rising power prices, I don't think they can be a sleeper story at the moment, Michael, <laughs> despite the excellent flourish. It's not the rising prices that are the sleeper story. It's it's the expectations that we were set up to believe that the, the, that the relief would be coming. And AGL has basically said, nah, doesn't matter you're still going to cop it. So, Michael, you know this this saying of when you're in a hole, stop digging? (laughs) I don't subscribe to that. I I believe that there's always a way out of the hole and usually it's via a deeper hole. (laughs) A tunnel under the hole. That's right. Back up to the top. (laughs) That's correct. Yes, Sean wins. The power and the rising power of the independence in the federal parliament to me is very significant. So, well done, Sean. Do you know what I did find entertaining this week? Come on. Our man Adamski, mm-hmm. our eminent judge, I haven't called Adamski Adamski for a long, long time. He was in Western Australia mm. this week and his efforts to get the time stuff right was really, really quite entertaining. The three <laughs> hours really threw the big fella. <laughs> it's like living in a twilight zone. I was only there for two days. <laughs> oh, but we heard about it for a week beforehand. <laughs> And then we'd get these odd phone calls at different times to discuss what had been doing over there. <laughs> very, 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 very obscure. Like I've been asleep for three hours, Adam, and you're calling me to, to, to let me know you're having breakfast. I, I don't really know what's going on here. Uh, that is an exaggeration. Yes, fa- favourite story of the week. Shall we move on? Yes, go for it. Okay. Well, I reckon, uh, and Sean, I'm sure you will agree with me that we were spoiled for choice this week. Ah, yes. there's been some, there have been some cracking stories about, but I had to go with the beginning of the AI wars because for weeks now, everybody's been playing around with chat GPT, the AI platform, and Adam was playing around with chat GPT and uh, he asked it, Sean, to produce a podcast or content for a podcast similar to Fear and Greed, and it churned out something that was that was okay. It had a few kind of bits and pieces of of the news, but do you know what it didn't have, Sean? It didn't have the flourishes. Oh, the personality. That's right. The color that you and I bring. The nuance. Mm. So I, I suspect the that our jobs actually incorrect information, all that stuff. <laughs> Well, actually, I suspect, and this is where I'm going with this, that it may in fact have that. So I think our jobs are safe for now. But the big story this week in terms of in terms of AI was Google's launch of its own AI offering, Bard. It all happened at a press conference to show off how Bard could integrate with Google's search function, and it gave an incorrect answer to a question about space. Not good. And it, it raised questions, obviously, over whether Google has lost ground now when it comes to search online and parent company Alphabet lost about $100 billion US dollars in value because of it. But, uh, and it was a big story uh, because this is obviously kind of the future of where we're going. And there's, there's a lot of people worried about the impact that it's going to have on jobs and AI, but uh, 
this is just a, a fascinating development. The fact that we now have competing companies all pushing into this same space says that it's going to be a big, big thing for the future. But it also reminded me of some of those other failed product launches where things have gone incredibly wrong live on stage. And this is one of the reasons why I love this story, because it's just a bit of fun. There have been a couple of ones with Apple. Remember how kind of Steve Jobs would get up on the stage and launch the new iPhone or the iPod or anything? And it's such a big event. And you're just kind of there praying that nothing is going to go wrong while he's launching it. And there was that one in, I think, kind of 2010 or so when he was trying to demonstrate something to do with the phone and he had to get everyone in the auditorium to turn off their Wi-Fi so he could actually connect <laughs> to the Wi-Fi live on stage and just the the displeasure on his face was just, oh, it has to be seen. It's very uncomfortable. Then uh, there was one in 2017 when the face ID on the new iPhone wouldn't work in the demonstration and Apple's value dropped by about $20 billion as a result of that one. My favorite of all time, though, is Elon Musk and the Tesla Cybertruck. Do you remember this one? This was this was an absolute ripper. It was out on stage, this big kind of four-wheel drive kind of armoured vehicle looking thing. And one of its big features was the armoured glass that it had on the windows. And so Elon kind of invited um, the chief designer to come up. And first of all, they hit the door with a baseball bat and it did nothing. It was like, yeah, look at this. This glass can, can resist anything. He asked the designer to hit the the glass window with a metal ball and the whole thing just fractured. <laughs> and <laughs> the best the best part of this was though, and you, you wonder what was going through the designer's head. He goes, uh, it's okay. I'll try the back window instead and demonstrate it on there. And he smashed that one, <laughs> that one too. And so it's just this. So then Elon Musk had to do the the rest of the presentation uh, with uh, in front of this vehicle with two smashed windows, talking about how it's impervious to all, all kind of attacks. And like, yeah, it did not work out. And you yeah. can imagine how filthy he would have been after that. Anyway, I reckon the Bard and the demonstration that we had this week is up there with that. I mean, it is a great story, and the time taken to tell it, I think you get points for that too. <sighs> I just uh, look. You know what? I, I give it. I give it my all, and what do I get back? <laughs> Nothing. It is a great story. It is a great story. Oh. Look, I'll do mine quickly, maybe for the listeners' sake. I agree. Totally spoiled for choice. My favourite was the one about space junk, which is very much up your alley, Michael. What, space junk is up my alley? <laughs> Jeepers, carry on. <laughs> oh, dear. Man, your story's good. It's all about the future of the Earth. Mine's bigger. Mine's about the universe and all the people out there, not on Earth, who could be harmed by space junk. You are, tur- you, you are turning into me. Yeah, just, yeah. Just can we say bad, this? Isn't it? I have tried. I have tried multiple times to make my story sound bigger by emphasizing the fact that it affects the entire universe. It has never worked for me. So I hope um, it has the same effect for you. Please go on. Yeah, well, actually mine, I'm going to change mine on the back of that because you're right, it doesn't work. This could affect every single person who is connected to an electronic device, not just the chat GPT people, but everyone. Any better? Not bad. Anyway, basically, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of space junk out there. It's a real problem. There's a record number of satellites having been launched by China, Russia, the US, private people like Elon Musk, and it's crowding Earth's orbit. In fact, about 27,000 pieces of junk out there, satellites, rocket fuselages, all sorts of things. They have the potential to basically destroy technology as we know it. Phone systems, car navigation, internet connections, Total disaster if the kids can't game. We said that during the week, and I think that's true. 
TV broadcasting, you know, how you get money, financial transactions, all that sort of stuff. Basically, over the past 10 years, the number of satellites launched have increased 17 times. About 90 countries now have something in orbit. The US government, the Japanese government, they all track space junk. There's private people out there. Nikkei Asia was talking to a crowd called Sky Perfect this week. They're pioneering some pretty sci-fi solutions to clean up space. In fact, they're testing the use of satellite-mounted lasers to destroy junk up there or push it off its orbit so it won't hurt other things up there. Massive story. And my favorite story, just because the concept of all that junk up there causing a problem. I think there was a movie, actually, where space junk hit something or other and help me out, guys, no? Uh, uh, oh, so, yes, um, Gravity. Gravity, was that the movie? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's I real life Gravity. You, you were you were just on this epic monologue just then and honestly, <laughs> I tuned out and, and uh. the fact that you stopped and there was this moment of silence, I'm like, oh no, he's asked me a question. <laughs> um, and yes, Gravity is the gravity. answer. It was where someone yeah. kind of copped it through the forehead. Yeah, that one. Gonna happen, gonna happen. Favourite story. Hang on, did you just say gonna happen, gonna happen <laughs> to people <laughs> copying it through the forehead from yeah, Space Junk? Yeah, well, uh, anyway, I'll take that back. Adam, help me out. Okay, uh, Michael wins on this one. Uh, fair call. Was it, was it the duration that did it? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> it's the impact. I think this has got miles to run. You know, the AI impact on Microsoft Bing, on Google, on how so many people do their jobs. I think it has got miles to go. So I think it's a massive story and I think it's a cracking favourite. Sean, yours is a ripper too, but just on this week, just missed. Yeah, no, no argument. In fact, Michael, you should put that as your favourite, sorry, the biggest story of the week because, like, actually economic impact. Yeah, yeah but it, it wouldn't have beaten interest rates. No, I, nothing I, beats interest rates. <laughs> how about how about we make a new rule? The weekend after the first Tuesday of next month, Mm. <laughs> yes. We can't do with the interest rates. Yeah, new rule. Okay. Because it's kind of a bit unfair. Oh, that really, yeah, that that does kind of, that, that's, that sexes it up a little bit, doesn't it? It's an unbackable <laughs> favourite. It <clears throat> sexes it up. It certainly, it's winks at its finest. So it's two all. Let's mm. go to the points. All right, Michael, very good effort. Despite the whole digging exercises you deployed during the uh, discussion, 90 points. Oh, Big score. Sean, massive week. One of your best, 92 points. Ah, there you go. There we go. Good week. That's a, that's a high, that's a, that's a quality contest. 92 to 90. All right. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson. Have a great weekend. 